Welcome, ladies and gentlemen, to a special edition of the Black and Blue Pod. I'm your host, Matt McLaughlin, joined alongside by Timmy Gorman. We are back for instant NFL first-round draft reactions. And, oh, boy, did Howie Roseman put on a masterclass in this year's draft for the second straight year. So we're going to be reacting to the Eagles' two first-round picks. They did not trade out of the first round like many people were speculating. We're also going to be talking about the Jalen Hurts extension, which we have not gotten a chance to react to. And Lamar Jackson gets a huge payday as of today that we are taping. And also diving in a little bit to the Aaron Rodgers trade to the New York Jets. So we're just going to start with the first round. Howie Roseman, what does he do? He says, last year I I absolutely balled out, got A.J. Brown. I'm going to actually one-up that draft and get two defensive studs from Georgia's uh, championship defense in Nolan Smith and Jalen Carter. Now, with the Jalen Carter selection, the Eagles actually traded up a slot uh, to number nine to get Carter, who fell, uh, unfortunately, due to uh, outside, off-the-field uh, issues involving his, his involvement uh, with the fatal uh, car accident that led to the deaths of a recruiting uh, staff member at Georgia and a teammate of his. Um, and for Nolan Smith, he fell because of a pec injury that old, that sidelined him for about the rest of the season. He only played about eight games with Georgia. So now Howie Roseman brings in Jordan Davis and Kobe Dean's two teammates and Jalen Carter and uh, Nolan Smith which seems like for a team that is coming off almost setting a new sack record in NFL history, just seems like we're just one, we're just like juicing this defense with even more pass rushing ability, which after that Super Bowl makes so much sense. But I will stop talking with this long introduction and ramble a little bit of my tangent. Timmy, how are you feeling after these two picks? Uh, I like them. I. <laughs> it's so funny because... I was sitting here and watching and Mary was just like, you're not going to get mad, are you? And I was just <laughs> like, you know what? No, like I, I, there's the number of guys I like. And at this point I kind of am back into the saddle of just trust Howie. Um, I think a lot of Eagles fans, myself included, kind of have an egg on their face with how much we've fallen in love with Jalen Hurts because of how much we hated the pick. And there's no one, Anybody that says, like, oh, I love that pick, you're, you're fucking lying. Like, shut up. No, you didn't. Maybe you liked it a little bit, but the majority of Eagles fans definitely went ballistic when that pick was made because we of – thought, We well, thought he was going to be thought, a Taysom Hill. Yeah, we thought, like, what are we going to get here? And there was other players that were on the board that they could have drafted. Namely, there was a linebacker that I really wanted out of – Notre Dame that I believe was still there when he got taken and I was furious about that or I can't believe or there was somebody else maybe there was a wide receiver I can't remember what it was were you talking about it was JOK right or was he yeah was he after or I can't remember so maybe it was a wide receiver or something it was different no JOK was when we took Dickerson and obviously I look stupid there not that Jock's been bad, but Lit Dickerson obviously is developing into, you know, a world-class lineman. So that said, I digress. Um, you know, I, I, that was kind of the mindset I had. And I was like, you know, there's a number of ways they can go. 
I think the only thing I would have been displeased with is if Howie moved back. Because I'm like, come on, man. Like, let's just use the draft capital. I understand going and getting more capital. But it's like we already have 9,000 picks next year, right? Or I don't know. We got a lot. And it's just like I understand moving back. But it's like if there's somebody there that you want, just take them. Don't get too cute. And I think Howie has kind of learned that. And I think, I think not just Howie, but the organization in general has learned so much on how to keep a team competitive, like the Patriots used to for all those years with the, in the Brady era, following that 2017 win, because that team was almost immediately like dismantled, but it fell apart, injuries, people leaving in free agency, just things just changed right away. And, you know, we struggled. The Eagles struggled for the next couple of years, and that's what eventually led to Jalen Hurts coming in. And, you know, they got lucky with that, and now, you know, they, they had to pay him because he deserved it, right? But how he saw, like, okay, what was my strength last year? Obviously, we have the, this offense. We got our guys locked up. They're young. Our line is pretty set. You know, we're going to have to start replacing some people, but for the most part, we're good. And I can always find a guy on the second and third day, you know, but what do we need? Well, we lost somebody on defense. So let's go and add somebody else to that young line contribution that we already have with Milton Williams and Jordan Davis. And, you know, because Brandon, because BG and Fletcher Cox, they ain't get any younger. And then also, sorry, Josh Sweat. I shouldn't just, you know, I shouldn't not include him. Plus you got Hassan Reddick, you know, locked up for a couple more years. And then it's also like when's the last time the Eagles have had a like have taken a stud linebacker, and that was what like the jock pick pissed me off the most about was that it was like like yeah you could say Trotter because yeah in his prime Trotter was one of the best linebackers but it, he was never like exciting the fans like Ray Lewis or something like that like you know he was like Eagles fans got excited for him but he was never considered one of like the like five best linebackers in the league. He didn't bring that appeal. And I'm not saying Nolan Smith does that, but it's just the idea that we took a linebacker before like the sixth round. And we're not trying to like randomly develop somebody like Davion Taylor, who I also will say haven't given up hope. And I don't think the Eagles have either because he's still on the roster. And I think we could see a surprise because, you know, that we might see more of him, especially since there's going to be spots to fill. Yeah, but I the thing I like the most about all of this is that people can make jokes and be like, "Oh, what are they trying to do? Recreate the 2021 Georgia team?" And it's like, "Cool, I'd take that." Now, <laughs> yeah. Not all those yeah. guys are. I was NFL gonna say, players. I was like, "There's there's worse teams that we could try to recreate." Right, like they're national champions back to back years, and the, the you know that 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 defense was filled with studs. So like, yeah, I take most of those guys that they took, you know, and it's not like they're just like. Oh, well, they took the safety who, like, in the sixth round, all just because he went to Georgia. It's like, no, all the guys they took were first-round talent guys. And you you alluded to it in the top, the Jalen Carter thing. We've talked about this. I've talked about it with – everyone's talked about it. You know, there's, you know, that word character, and it's a tragedy. And I was I was nervous of taking him, like, for the Eagles to take him because – not because I think he's a bad – kid or that I think he's malicious I, I clearly don't think he intended to do it no one really knows what happened so we can only speculate 
Um, and outside of basically coming out and doing nothing but apologizing for the next year or like, you know, and like finding a way to honor his fallen teammate and that young lady that died. Um, it, there's nothing he can say, you know, outside of, that anyone's going to be happy with. Cause no matter what people are still going to be like, well, you were involved in, in like in a street racing incident that led to the deaths of two young people. And, you know, we don't know how that is weighing on it. Like we saw them in tears and everyone like, you know, a lot of these kids cried because a lot of them overcome a lot of adversity and stuff. And this is for him. It's just another thing that he probably had to overcome. And we don't know how that's weighing on his mind. Like that could have been one of his best friends. No one knows like that recruiting coordinator, like that could have been the girl that brought like, like set up his visit and like, you never know, like how they could have been dating, you know, like you don't know, like, yeah, exactly. No, I'm not saying they were, I'm not trying to start a rumor, but you know what I mean? Like you don't, no one knows what the real relationship was with those people. And clearly it was enough that they were like hanging out late at night and like, you know, but I just, it's like, no one knows, you know, everyone handles death in a different way, especially when you somehow are implicated. And to be that young, and I can speak from experience knowing it because I feel like every year from the time I was 15 years old until I was about 22, I, I had someone not every year personally that close to me. A couple times I did, but like, you know, someone that I knew growing up that like I was friendly enough with die, you know, that was a young person. And it was like every year it was just like another, like somebody else dies. And it was like, like, when is it going to stop? And, you know, like a couple, like for two of those instances, it was a very close friend, especially right after my senior year of high school. And it was like, you, you don't know how to handle it even when you're not involved. Mm-hmm. So imagine, you know, and it's just, you know, not only did he lose two people close to him, but he almost saw his, his, all his life's work thrown down the drain which some people will be like, well, good for well, like that shouldn't matter, and it's just like, well, it should because it's not like he pulled out a gun and shot them, you know. And I just think that the one thing that I really liked hearing was, you know, outside of I, you know, he had he has come out and been sincere, is that he has said like Nicobe Dean is a big brother to him, and he would love to have the chance to be with him again, and. They there was a video and I sent it to you on Instagram and it was they FaceTimed the Kobe Dean when he was on the carpet. And you oh, could just okay. tell how much you respect, like you can see how much harder like looks up to him and respects him. You can just see by the way he is talking to him and looking to him. Like you can just see in that video alone. You can just you can infer from it. And so as long as they and I think Howie that they did their homework, you know he did, and and you know with all that that long winded answer, it's that my thing is, as long as that all checks out and all the boxes are good and he's ready to just come in and focus and change, you know, from here on out, be the best person he can be. This is a fucking steal. He is an alien. He moves three hundred pound offensive lineman. Like I push around my two-year-old son. It, he is a freak of nature and he should have been the first overall pick. And obviously there's, this is the reason he wasn't. So to get him at nine it is an 
absolute steal. And once again, Howie being Howie, smart enough, he's like, hmm, let me just move up real quick so I no one takes a chance when it got that close. What's it going to cost me? Oh, a fourth-round pick? I got nine of them next year. Come on, Bears, let's swap. And the Bears stupidly, who need help on their defense themselves, were like, okay, thank you. Exactly. Like, there are a few points I do want to hit on. First of all, the video that you mentioned, it's on NBC Sports Philadelphia's Instagram page for anyone that wants to check that out. Um, yeah, I to- I definitely think that Howie Roseman definitely does his homework. And the support system of having college teammates in the same building as him is, I think, very massive. And I think it's a huge part of the Eagles' confidence of making this pick. Like, I think that if it, that wasn't the case, I think the Eagles would be more hesitant about making, even despite Carter's immense talent, they may be hesitant to bring him in and kind of fuck up that winning culture. And I, I, I texted this to you that if there's any team that can handle a character or quote-unquote character issues uh, on a prospect coming out of the draft, the Eagles are probably close to the top of that list, if not at the top of the list. So that's huge. Um, and just his sheer talent alone, you've already said, like, he's an alien. He truly does, for a guy that's – he's only 6'3", weighs 3'10". I mean, granted, those could be – I'd take those numbers with a grain of salt because God knows what teams yeah. or programs may be shedding off or ta- tacking on a few inches or tacking on a few pounds, especially with linemen. You never know. But either way, his speed, his agility – his uh, lateral movement, he can, even if he isn't going to get to the quarterback, he can swallow up a running back or force him to go outside and, and swallow him up in the backfield. And for a team that already has Fletcher Cox, who's done that for a decade now at this point, or it feels like a decade at this point, Brandon Graham coming mm-hmm. off the edge has a similar skill set and just bottling dudes up in the backfield. And this is exactly what the Eagles needed, especially coming off that Super Bowl performance where you don't even you don't even fart on Patrick Mahomes. You can't even get close enough to like spit at him. That that was the key driver. We talked about it after the after the Super Bowl on the podcast. That was the most disheartening part is that this defense that almost set an NFL sack record couldn't get any pressure at all. Now, I what I'm more I, what I'm also, also almost more ecstatic about is the Nolan Smith pick simply because our linebacker core has been kind of gutted for the last few years and you lose TJ Edwards, you lose kids. Very patchwork. It's been patchwork yeah. for a while. And the stats will make it look like we lost a like close to all pro guy in TJ Edwards. We didn't, I'm sorry. I was never a fan. He was, he did what he, he filled in the need that we had, but I'm, I, you know, good luck in Chicago, TJ. You know, yeah, exactly. Like, I'm, I hope that he succeeds in Chicago, and I hope, I'm glad that like it hasn't been, they didn't perform so bad that it was like bad blood on the way out. You know, and right. then, like, and you replace those two guys who are kind of like, all right, these are good flyers because you're white. It was like it's a good like average linebacker. You play, you replace that with Nakobe Dean. You replace that with. Nolan Smith, guys that have all pro caliber talent mm-hmm. and are smart as hell. These are not guys that are doing 
AP basket weaving and honors gym classes in the SEC. Like these guys are have the brain power to di- dissect offenses in, in a way that like I really hope that this could be like our version of like the 85 Bears defense. Not saying that like I trust me, I do not want that that same level of offense production. Right. But I think like I feel like if there's one thing that's kind of been missing is like that defensive identity that's led to winning. Uh, and right. It hasn't You're saying like, like having Singletary and Richard Dent and like all those guys. Yeah, know. exactly. Cause like, that's Hell, what this is. I take this. I take the giants either with Taylor and Carson. Oh my God. And banks. You know what yeah. I mean? Thanks. Yeah. Thank you. I couldn't think of the other one. Who's the fourth? Who's the fourth? Uh, did they have a fourth? Those were really only the three. I thought it was I four remember. of them. I thought they played a three, four. I don't remember. Um, But either way, like, I think that's huge for that's what this city represents. It's kind of embracing that identity. And to kind of go back a little bit to what you said about Howie learning from his mistakes. If anyone has doubts about Howie Roseman's leadership and his philosophy as a GM, I highly recommend you check out the, uh, the interview he did with Jason Kelsey on his new Heights podcast. That interview just made me so fired up because Howie said like, I'm not interested in a rebuild. How can I sit there and tell my guys, hey, in three years we'll be good, and then three mm-hmm. years rolls around. It's like, okay, guys, now we're ready to win. That's just not how the NFL works. Because and, there's a lot of there's a lot of different things and obstacles that can things that can go wrong in those three years. By the way, Gary, Gary Reasons and Pepper Johnson are the other uh, two. That's right. Because I think Banks or Carson was done by 90. Yes. And that's why it was. Carson was done by 90. So Pepper Johnson took his spot. So reasons was it was it was Banks, Reasons, and T- Taylor both times. Carson the first time, Pepper Johnson the second. That's right. That makes sense. All um, all good players in their own way, and one extremely phenomenal player and Lawrence Taylor. Absolutely. So I if you can pair like it's just the linebacking spot has been so I don't want to say mediocre. It's just been underwhelming. I guess I want to say underwhelming, not so much mediocre, just underwhelming. It's yeah, it's like blah. It's yeah. like, it's like we okay. Never, we haven't had like, and I said this like outside of Schroeder too. Like I've always said, like after that, Seth Joyner. That's like the only real linebacker I can ever remember as since I've been born as an Eagles fan. Like, like and Seth Joyner is one of my favorite Eagles ever. Don't don't get me wrong. Like, yeah, I love Seth Joyner. Like. I've been looking for a Seth Joyner Kelly Green Eagles jersey for years now, like because they never make them. But now that you have places like DHK and stuff, Pete like China will make them easily for you, you know. Yeah. But that's what I'm saying. Like we never have really had those guys, and it's like every organization. Shit, even the Patriots have had exciting linebackers. Like I feel like every organization has had at least one or two linebackers come through their door that has been like all pro. That's the guy you want, like at some point and we are the only ones that like never seem to like have it no matter what like even the the washington organization at some point you know has had someone come through those doors you know and so it's just and here's the one thing that you said that is a great word culture it's a word that get thrown it does get thrown around a lot and people kind of tend to abuse it right but and 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 the nba in basketball what's the heat it's that heat culture and you know people always 
will be like, come on, you're telling me like just because there's Pat Riley always there. And Russillo was making this point in his podcast. He goes, and then I started to, and then he mentioned like, and I started to watch it. And then it's just like, yeah, there's a reason every year that somehow these guys just get up and are ready to, in the, ready to go to the playoffs. And it's just like, that is what I believe how he's trying to, it's this Eagles culture. It's just, hey, next man up, your turn to go. And he, like I said, he, we both said it, he learned from his mistakes and he's learned that it's not, all about like, well, all right, I took care of this year's roster. Do 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 do. Oh, let's enjoy it. It's like, no, not only did I take care of this year's roster, but I'm setting it up so that I know what my moves can be in next year and then two years from that. And then here, oh, I just got another first round pick that year. And he is constantly making chess moves. And that is what Bill Belichick did for years to keep his Patriots dynasties going. He had that and he had the greatest quarterback of all time. Now, I'm not saying Jalen Hurts is going to become the greatest quarterback of all time, but as long as you have that quarterback position figured out and you have some skilled players around him and a good line and you know how to figure out the rest, you can set yourself up for a pretty good decade of dominance in some way. Now, it's not going to be easy. The NFC East is getting stronger by the minute, and you know, regardless of what people at the ringer like Bill Simmons say that the NFC is whatever, but like, yes, the AFC technically has more powerful teams, but you know, the the Giants were good last year. The Cowgirls are always lurking around and I don't think Ron Rivera is a good coach. I still think Washington's building something there. And now that scumbag is out the door, it makes me a little bit more nervous with Josh Harris coming in that they're going to become a more reputable organization that, gets back to their winning ways from the, the late eighties and nineties, early nineties. So um, all in all though, it's just like, I'm not like, Oh my fucking God, let's go. But like, I'm at a calm, calm piece of yeah, Howie, fuck yeah, let's go. You know, you did it. This is awesome. I'm so happy with both these picks. I really hope that both of them pan out. Um, if not, we hit on one of the two. I honestly think Carter is the better op, like is the better chance that you know I could see because there I did read some pre-draft stuff that it's like they don't know if Davis has the heart, but I think it will help getting him back in that locker room with four of his guys, and you know, or three of his brothers, and you know, and then just having Fletch and BG and all those guys there, and like you said, Nickobe Dean, now Nolan Smith. And like I said, I'm not giving up hope on Davion Taylor. I'm not saying he's going to become an all pro, but of, he's a substantial third, third wheel to those two guys that can turn into, you know, very good, like pro bowl ish players that go along with that front line. We build it up and we have two cornerbacks. Now we just have to worry about building out the back end. I think that's the next step. And we got a defense that, you know, as long as his coordinator knows what he's doing, you know, I like I like the way I like the I like our chances of getting back there and winning it, winning it this time. I definitely agree with that. And to kind of transition into what you said about you know culture and finding the right guys. I mean, Jalen Hurts, it's he gets this massive extension, right? It's it's five years, two hundred fifty five million. Now, on paper, that may seem like a lot. It's the third largest contract in NFL history, one hundred seventy nine million total guaranteed. Um, 110 million guaranteed at signing, which is the most ever for a rookie extension. But 
even the way that this contract is structured is team friendly. And that's what really sets the standard of if Hertz is going to sacrifice, I have to sacrifice too. If I'm Devonte Smith, mm-hmm. um, if I'm anyone else, if the franchise guy is sacrificing, I got to follow suit. And, and if I want to stay here and win a title and looking at this contract, like it, it, it sucks because we know what's going to happen. And last year it would have been great to like win on a rookie deal. Right. And you kind of get it now before you enter into possibly a Lamar Jackson situation where it's like, there's rumors of like holdouts and you kind of get this, like, is he in, is he out? It does the team want him? Are they going to trade him? Stuff like that. But Cause that affects the locker room. That does the opposite of build team culture. Exactly. And then you're kind of, or if like you say it does drag out into the season um, to use uh, an example would be like, if the court, if the, I mean, what's a good example of this, I guess in the running back position, there was that debate of like Tony Pollard or Ezekiel Elliott, because there was that stretch there when Zeke wasn't in, was holding out for a little bit. Pollard came in and was stepping up and was getting, was getting carries. And we've seen now mm-hmm. with Zeke getting cut Pollard to lead back. With quarterback, that's even worse because that's the the general of the offense and the general of the team. And if that carries over into the season, that could completely derail because then guys are picking sides and it could just be a whole mess. Thankfully, that didn't happen. And it becomes I, the McNabb. Sorry, real quick. It becomes yeah, the McNabb to situation. That's exactly that's what it a better. Yeah, into. that's a better comparison. Absolutely. Um, so my re- initial reaction was like, this had to get done. I'm glad it got done, but I'm also happy that Hertz has came out and said like, money is nice, but championships, they're better. Immediately a tone is set. That's, that awesome. that's what matters most. Hey guys, I understand we're playing football. I know everyone wants to get their money right now, but we're also working towards a goal. And I think this goes from top down from Jeffrey Lurie, from, from Jeffrey Lurie to Howie Roseman, to Nick Sirianni, to Jalen Hurts, to the 53rd guy on the roster. That's what we're here for. And if he doesn't do that, and instead he just takes the money and just maxes out the guarantees, that puts a lot of hands handcuffs on what Roseman can do in the future. Now, he's still pretty handcuffed, but the cap hit isn't nearly as bad over the years. It doesn't kick up to $51 million until like two or three years from now. So Howie's got some cap room to work with. So mm-hmm. I think that is important. And I'm glad that, like, as much as I loved Carson Wentz, and there were press, post-game press conferences just felt like the same message. And it was just like, we need to get better. We didn't do this right. We didn't do that right. Got to believe gotta... in God. God will get us there kind of shit, <laughs> yeah. you know. Yeah, whereas Jalen Hurts is coming out and saying, no, I have to do better. I have to do better in this area. I may have missed this throw. And it's that accountability, Nick Sirianni, same thing. It just, it just feels different. And I'm glad that we got out of the Carson Wentz debacle when we did, because if we didn't, we could end up like we're the Washington Commanders or the Indianapolis Colts, where you're just kind of in this quarterback purgatory. So glad it got done. And hopefully uh, we, how it can keep working his salary cap gymnastics and kind of keep the core together. Right. And everyone knew it needed to get done. And if I had heard one more time, like, oh, well, the Eagles and Hurts are working. And the, the, the rumor is like, 
they're 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 close and like they know and they want to get this deal done and it's just like all right then let's let's just get it done and I get there's the specifics like I get there I get probably one of the things they were probably you know negotiating over was we want that no trade clause and some people can see that as a diva move but I think that's just Jalen's way of the way I read it is that's Jalen's way of saying no that's just me saying I just want to be here until you know until I can't play anymore. And I believe he does. I think he's embraced the city. The city has definitely embraced him, you know, and that press conference, like you, like you said, money is great, but I want to win championships are better. Like that got even more people like he, you know, now obviously we felt this way about Wentz too, but I just, there's something different about Hertz. There was something about Wentz that There's a, there's a always, swagger. There's a right. swagger to Hertz that, he believes every single word that he's saying. And whereas Wentz just kind of came across sometimes as like the dorky white guy that was like, ah, shucks, lock, we didn't, the we didn't get it done. The didn't have him. Yeah. That's what I, that's right. Like, I think that's, that's perfect. The conviction's a great term, great way to uh, structure it or phrase it. But yeah, it's like you can see the team rallies around him. Whereas with Wentz, you weren't really sure. And at times it, it's like, it got to the point where it's like, it almost cared like he he went from being like small town North Dakota guy who was dating his high school sweetheart to well he's having an affair and now dating some model with double D's and left that high school sweetheart and got married to the model real quick and only cares about being seen hanging out with Bryce Harper and Reese Hoskins and you know you know what I mean like yeah. and you could just see on the field anytime he made a mistake and this was my biggest pet peeve towards the end with him it was the same thing every single time you could just always tell he'd do it he he'd do the like the chain the chin strap like rip off and he would just like no 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 no, like run off the field like jog off the field like oh well and it's just like no not oh well bro should be over these mistakes and whereas when jalen does it you can like you can see it's just their demeanor. Their demeanor and the way they carry themselves is so much more different. And that is because one is a champion and one was just a guy who got let the fame go to his head because he, you know, had never been in the spotlight like that before and just thought it was always going to come to him naturally because everywhere he had played before, it always did because he was playing against nobodies. No, Jalen has built himself up against people because he's played in the SEC. He played with Oklahoma in the Big 12 and, you know, won a championship. So he's he's been there. He's played against those dudes, and he knows what it takes. And that that's why he grinds, and he grinds every day, and he's been doing it since he was in high school, and he's not going to stop. And that attitude is a trickle-down effect to the whole team. And I believe there – I believe, you know, there might be some people that don't want to be there and, you know, they're, you know, not everyone. You'll have is some stragglers. That happens yeah, in every locker room. Always. It happens in every locker room, every business organization. But I think that that team is a family. They want to win for Jalen. They want to win for Sirianni. And I think more than ever, they all want to win for Howie, too. And it's just, this is, this is a great night. The picks are awesome. The organization is going in the right direction. It's staying there. You know, I'm already pumped for September. You know, I was I was getting really nervous, like, after, like, when that – towards the end of the playoffs where it's like, man, this was such a fun year. 
please don't tell me next year is going to be that year where they struggle to go like 10 and six and they barely get in and lose in the second round. But with the way things are going and how this is like, I, I'm, I'm like, you know what? No, I think screw it. Like we're just going to keep, keep the stream running. And hopefully next year we get back that chip and we get, we get that ring that we couldn't get this year. Absolutely. Totally agree. But um, yeah, kind of moving on to Lamar Jackson. He was kind of the elephant in the room, the last real quarterback domino waiting to fall besides Aaron Rodgers, who we'll get to. He signs an extension today. Uh, we're taping this, well, Friday, early Friday morning, 1230 at night. Uh, he signs an extension for five years, $260 million, $185 million guaranteed at signing with a $52 million uh, annual value. So, I mean, I think I know I said when we when there were first reports of the Ravens shopping him and or potentially moving on that there's a reason why Baltimore was hesitant to give him the extension because it, it's tough to to point to quarterbacks out of one Super Bowls the way that he plays and more importantly quarterbacks that stay healthy with the way that he plays. I mean, the first example that came to my mind was Robert Griffin III and for the Ravens to give him this much money at the time seemed like a bit of a risky investment. And it mm -hmm. still is. But I think the addition of Odell Beckham Jr. is huge because the last time we saw him on a football field, he was torching the Bengals secondary. He was carving them up and looked like the guy from New York. So I think that's huge. But this is just better, I think, for both sides because like the way Lamar has embraced the city, we talked about Jalen Hurts embracing Philadelphia. Lamar loves Baltimore, and I think Baltimore finally has a guy to truly be the face of, like, a generation of fans and just be a cool dude. Like, make the Ravens cool. Like, yeah, Ray Lewis and Terrell Suggs, like, those defenses were incredible. But, like, I'm sorry, but, like, I don't think that they were selling jerseys. Like, kids didn't want, like, I, I may be speaking out of turn here, but, like, no, they think, were Ray Lewis. Ray Lewis, they were. All right, Ray Lewis, they were, but like Suggs, like Ray Lewis was like, you know, to this day, I still think he is like, but like, more so, they've never had, never had anything on the offensive side. Yeah, yeah, that's like, that's the fair. closest thing they that they've ever come to. Two things were Jamal Lewis, who unfortunately tore his you know ACL and was done mm -hmm. in his career was kind of over after that and then they had ray rice and well that didn't go so well we, we know how that ended you know elevators yeah. tell no lies right yeah and i'll i kind of compare this to i only make this comparison because i was just watching it recently was the jeter docuseries and how jeter kind of came up in the mid to late 90s and he was the kid that every guy wanted to aspire to be and a guy that every girl wanted to be with. And I think Lamar kind of fits that too, where he's like, he's a nice guy who does a lot of charity. He's great at football. So like every dude loves that. He's like either winning them fantasy games or he's winning the Ravens games. And every girl, he's a good looking guy. He's a good looking guy with some. Well, I, I, he's definitely not on Jeter's level with that. Cause I can tell you as a kid, like, no, I'm not saying about... the same level. I'm just saying it's oh, like okay. the, the parallel. It's a parallel. I'm not saying, yeah, trust me. I know Jeter was like a, a global thing. Like that, totally get it. 
but that's just the way I feel, and I think Jeter, whoever, the, whoever Jeter was sleeping with was like tabloid news in New York. Apparently, like every week, like it was like, like they. It's so it's such a known thing that in the TV show Brock Meyer, the Hank Azaria show, where he's like the fake baseball announcer, he literally like he was like a, he's like a heavy drinker and like drug user and like a womanizer. Whenever he sleeps with a woman, he has his assistant give her give them uh, gift bags. And he literally names him, and he's like, "Which one do you want, uh, the Jeter or the A Rod?" <laughs> <laughs> and it's like, I and the girl's like, "I don't want no fucking Jeter again. I already got three iPads." <laughs> <laughs> That's awesome. That's a good joke. That's so good. Uh, but yeah, Next show I- by the way, check anybody. I recommend that to anybody who's never watched it. It is a very good. It's kind of a look on how baseball is falling apart in its own way. And it's like a good look at it, but Hank Azaria delivers like a really world-class performance. I'll definitely check it out. But uh, yeah, I think this is great for both sides. I think they, the Ravens had to, I don't think that you can. They had no choice. Yeah. You you can't can't pass on a guy like Lamar. You can't. And I I understand the hesitation because everyone that's being like, like, you know, they're talking about Daniel Jones getting the money. It's like, all right, I get that because I I agree. Daniel Jones wouldn't have, but like, Let's more focus on Deshaun Watson and why the hell he got the money because he shouldn't have for multiple reasons, one of them being play alone. He's had, what, one real season? Yeah. He took his team to the – he took his team to the AFC second round and then blew a 21-point lead? Like – you know what I mean? Like, that's the furthest they've ever got with him. That was when he was on Houston, and then all the shit happened. So, that said, you know, I just – I think, like, Lamar hasn't been healthy the last few years. And after that MVP season, it's been very up and down. And a lot of people are wondering, is he ever – was that a one-year fluke? Are they ever going to get back to it? And, you know, in his defense, it's like, well, I have no weapons. I have nobody to throw to. My running backs are constantly changing or in flux or getting old or injured and stuff like that. And then you're just relying on me to run the ball. And no wonder I'm getting hurt all the time. And so I commend, I commend him for – being like, you know what, I'm going to do this on my own. I'm not going to have an agent do it for me because I guess he just didn't trust his last agent or whatever was going on. And he was like, I'm going to go in there. And he's like, he easily could have came out and been like, fuck the Ravens for not paying me already. I want out. But he was an adult about it. He handled it the right way. And he he, he stayed kind of quiet in the background. He said some things like, yeah, like, you know, why am I, I – like, you know, he made a point. He's like, I didn't abandon my team for 12 games last year, and it was a direct shot at Watson. And I'm sure he wanted to say some other things that he knows he can't say because the NFL will find him real bad. But, you know, he, he, he outside of that, he kind of just did his business in the background. So I'm glad he got the paper because, like you said, when he is healthy and on his game, he is so fun to watch. He's been that way since he was at Louisville. And I just hope that whatever this new offense is they're going to run, I hope Odell can at least give him one good year of a receiver. I hope that the kid they got from Minnesota last year turns into something for him this year. Um, I hope that, you know, 
Andrews can stay healthy and that uh, Isaiah Lucky kid, Likely kid can pan out. And I just, you know, give him some support. Let the line block for him and, you know, let him, let him cook because it's way more – NFL is way more fun when players like Lamar Jackson are running around, you know, throwing 80-yard bombs on one foot and, like, making people look silly as Michael Vick used to week in and week out. And so the Ravens did the right thing. I'm happy for Lamar that he got his payday because I was getting a little sick of the hot takes and, the you know, the, some of the people making it about race because of the Daniel Jones thing. And I get it, but I just I just don't think there's a place for it and, and when it comes to it. And I'm just glad that now that – because I like the Ravens, that they can kind of focus on it, move forward, and maybe get back to, you know, being a contender for the first time in a couple of years. Absolutely. Uh, last little bit of news that we haven't gotten a chance to talk about, the Aaron Rodgers trade. Aaron Rodgers officially New York Jet. Uh, the Packers also sent out their first round pick to the Jets, which was number uh, 15, which turned into a bit of a stretch. Will McDonald the fourth out of Iowa State, which well, it was a pick swap, right? It was a pick swap. So the, the Packers also got number 13, uh, I believe a second rounder and another second rounder next year. So that here, could... I got it. I got it right here. Okay, go ahead. Uh, Jets get QB Aaron Rodgers, 2023 first round pick number 15. 2023 fifth round pick one number 170. The Packers get the Jets 2023 first round pick at number 13. That's a pick swap. Their second round pick this year at 42. A sixth round pick this year at number 207. A 2024 conditional second round pick that becomes a first rounder. Rogers plays 65% of the snaps in 2023. Yeah. That was the one I was that the last one I was missing. Um so I mean. This is going to happen. It was pretty inevitable as soon as he went on the Pat McAfee show. It was like, I want to be a Jet. It was kind of like, this is going to happen. Or, I mean, I just these type of trades take time. There was a, a brief moment where I was like, is this just not going to happen? Because this would be the most Jets thing of all time if a star quarterback who do, who wants to go to play for the Jets, the trade just falls through. Right. I, they, they signed all his old receivers and then crooned for him and basically, like, came out and, like, made a Facebook official status without it being <laughs> official, like – He's like, we're in love with Aaron. We want him here in New York so bad. I like that that was the joke they were like, I will agree that Simmons was making, where he was just like saying, like, they it was the worst poker play of all time. And it really was. It, they, it really, they, they, they screwed themselves over them badly. Absolutely. So the the people that are jumping to the conclusion that the Jets are Super Bowl contenders, like uh, and that was a first take segment that I was just like, I laughed at. I laughed at legitimately. Like, what Aaron Rodgers does to the Jets, does he improve their offense? Yes, dramatically, because they had they could have had a stone statue as a quarterback, and that would have been more effective than what Zach Wilson was doing last year. The reality well, yeah, is – Mike White. We saw how good Mike White actually was. Exactly. And – but still, in the AFC East alone, he's still going to be competing with Josh Allen. And you're really counting on that defense to kind of like keep it like 17 to 20 ish points per game. And hope well, Josh that, Allen and a Dolphins team, as long as two, it can stay healthy. As long as two, it can stay healthy. And that's before, even if you do get to the playoffs, you're going to have to go to, you're going to have to go through Mahomes. You're going to have to go through Joe Burrow, possibly Lamar, Herbert, and, Herbert. Um, 
It's he's a murderer's done row. Yeah, exactly. Murderer's row. That's a good way to put it. So I, I like I like the Jets roster. I think this is a much better supporting staff than he had in Green Bay. So I think his numbers are going to be much better because I think Brees Hall coming back is going to be huge. Um, Garrett Wilson is better than any receiver that he was throwing to last season. See the last couple. Well, never mind. I guess he had what's his name two seasons ago. Sorry. Yeah, yeah. Um, I take that back. <laughs> it's okay. That's what I'm here for. Uh, CJ Uzama is a veteran tight end that knows how to get open and can come up in clutch situations that where people forget about him. Um, so ultimately, and Michael Carter, and Michael Carter, who was hurt. Brees Hall. Brees Hall got hurt. Going to be healthy for Week One, they say. I have not heard otherwise. I will double check that right now. But, but still, Carter's Carter's a good. He's a solid option to have there, you know, in the meantime. Absolutely. So the Packers had no choice, ultimately. And I think it's better for the Packers to just be like, fuck it. Just, yeah, sure. Like, I just want to move on from this relationship at this point. And for the Jets, I'm, I'm happy because it's like this is a franchise that's been a doormat for basically decades at this point. Um, so, I, but I still just going to temper expectations just because there's so many other good teams in the AFC. And to expect this Jets team to get clicking and firing on all cylinders immediately is unrealistic. I just, I laugh, like, and I get it. It's definitely an improvement. And I, I love all the memes with, like, that, like, people making fun of Zach Wilson where it's just like, because he said, like, whoever they bring him to make that guy's life hell or whatever. And what was I think I sent it to you like the one meme and I forget who it was. It was like what it was from. I forget what movie it was from, but it was like something completely out of. He's like I don't know who you are. You're the Ice T guy to me or something. Oh, uh, from Kicking and Screaming with Will Ferrell, and he's yelling at Dicka, and he's just yeah. like, "I'm the head coach. You're just here to assist me. You're the Ice T guy. You you get me iced tea and orange slices or something, and it's, it's like this is Zach Wilson, Aaron Rodgers on the first day, and it's just like there's there's a couple things with that actually, but the first thing I'll say is that it makes them better, but you also are bringing in a 39 year old who was markedly worse was the previous year when he won the MVP. He threw for only 26 touchdowns. And I say only 26 because in today's scheme of things, that's bad. With 12 picks, he only had a QBR of 36 or 36.9 or something, which is not great. He threw for 3,000 yards, but a lot of that was mop-up shit. And it's 3,695 yards, which was 11th in the league. So that tells you what the rest of the league does now. You know, you 3,000 yards in your sleep, there's quarterbacks, you know. Fucking Carson Wentz was throwing for 3,000 yards when his leading receiver was like, you Greg know, a running back. Yeah, it was like a running back in Greg Ward. So, But don't you think that changes with, with the talent that he has now around him? I think it does, but here's the other part. Part of that is, like I said, a 39-year-old, and he's a malcontent. Mm. He's proven that he's a wild card. Like, he's just – seems like he's probably got to be the douchiest of douchey people to fucking meet. Like, just like, oh, I went and stayed in a dark cave for three days in Oregon. Like, cool, bro. No one cares. I'm glad you're doing ayahuasca. Like, 
go fucking hang out at Coachella then. Like, I don't, it's just like, it's all attention getting. Like, he cycled through girlfriends more than Jeter has at this point. Second Jeter girlfriend reference in the podcast. But it's just like, <laughs> like, I feel like every time you turn around, it's like, oh, he's, Aaron's really in love. And it's like, I don't care. I just don't care. Like, and he, he's, I feel like he thirsts so much to constantly be relevant. And it's like, oh, I haven't been in the news cycle in six weeks. Let me do something stupid so everyone talks about me again for three days. And, you know, he did nothing but always bitch about how Brett Favre treated him when he got there. And I agree. That was bullshit. But then he went and did the same fucking thing to Jordan Love. Are we sure about that? Yeah, he kind of was just like, you know, like for all intents and purposes, you never read anything that said, like, had Jordan Love coming out and being like, oh, Aaron's been great to me. If anything, it was people saying, like, yeah, he's basically just doing what Brett Favre did to him. And, okay. and then they I were trying to make – then they were trying to blame it on Brett Favre and be like, well, how can you blame him? That's how we learned from Brett Favre and because he was pissed that they drafted Love instead of a wide receiver, which I get was stupid. Yeah. But at the same time, it's like you did nothing but bitch about that for years. Wouldn't you think you want to pay it forward and do the complete opposite for this kid? But that said, you know – overpaid like a motherfucker like like as i said they they showed their hand they had no choice and good to or whatever his name is and however you say it, the packers gm for once did something right and squeezed them on it and he got everything he got way more than he ever should have for a 39 year old quarterback that literally spends more time being in the headlines for non-football related shit than he than football related shit at this point in his career and knew he and he knew he wanted out, and he still somehow got second rounder or fourth rounder, and possibly most likely another first rounder. You got two first rounders, a second rounder, and a fourth for a thirty-nine year old. Yeah, That's crazy. That's insane to get that much for him at this point, regardless of his track record. On top of the fact that it is, yeah, he's won MVPs and he's been this and that. He also chokes in the playoffs every year. He hasn't won an, he hasn't won a Super Bowl since 2011. And ever since then, he's choked in the NFC Championship game like four times. Yeah, I will never forget. Was it last or year? The, or this or the second round or the divisional round? Was it last two year? Years, two, two years, two years ago. ago was the was the snow, the snow one against the San Francisco. I was like, I was like, you have Devontae Adams, Aaron Jones, you're it's snowing in Lambeau. Shouldn't this favor you out of all out of either team in this situation? It was against just, uh, San Francisco. Was it against San Francisco? Yeah, it was. I because George Kittle was like he was running all over the field and celebrating, and oh, was yeah. like, I was like, and he was like, oh, this is this guy. This takes me back to like my college days in Iowa. This is like Big Ten football because it was like that fifteen to ten it was, game. It was like yeah, thirteen to ten or something. It was like thirteen to ten or something like that. Yeah. It was exactly. yeah, it was like it was a terrible game and it was like they scored like a touchdown in the first like seven minutes and then didn't do shit the rest of the game. Exactly. That's what I'm so, talking about. Like he like and even going back to Cal, every year the or the two years he was there, they were supposed to be something and every year they choked away a meaningless game to like Oregon State or like you know you or to Stanford when Stanford was okay, but they weren't they weren't the Jim Harbaugh Stanford yet. And I don't know. It's a lot to give up for a guy his age. And is it like uh, is it uh, to com- to give another NBA comp? Is it this feels like uh, 
like Russell Westbrook to the Rockets or like any trade involving Russell Westbrook <laughs> at this point. Like you're paying for past performance, I feel like. No, because and I'm as much as I love Russ, Rogers definitely would be I think I think the comparison is how much the Suns gave up for KD. And mm. I think KD's going to give more to the Suns than Rogers will to the Jets. But I just think they gave up too much, honestly. But well, that's fair. You know, I, I, I make them better, yes. But I'm still the I'm, I I still don't think Sal is that great of a coach. He hasn't really proven much outside of being a defensive coordinator. Yeah, their D is kind of fun and young, but they also got scored on a lot last year. They have the line to protect him so he can get the passes out. Coming off an in serious injury. And then, so will you rely on Michael Carter and can he say, like, there's still a lot of questions. But this also gets me to my next point, which I'll be real quick about the whole Zach, the whole Zach Wilson point of this. And this is not just for Zach Wilson, this is for all these kids. And it's a stark reminder, having just gotten through the first round, all these people and all, all these fans and all these journalists and, and out, all these professional analysts and podcasters, people on ESPN and talk show hosts. They get themselves into this tizzy, and it's like, this guy's this, and that guy's that, and blah, blah, blah. And they talk these kids up, and they make them sound like Greek gods for three and a half months out of the year because they because there's no football, and nobody knows what else to do. And it's like, this is why I would take him. This is why I would take him. And this film does this, and this film does that. And everyone did nothing but give blowjobs to Zach Wilson coming out of BYU. Oh, he's going to do this, and he's got the make, and he's got the look, and blah, blah, blah. And then Everyone was like, yeah, you know he's good because he's got a hot girlfriend and a hot mom and, like, all this stuff and, you know, all this shit going on, right? And now, two years later, everyone has already already turned on this poor kid. And he can't even show his face in New York City without getting made fun of. And everyone's all over the internet talking shit on the internet, doing this and doing that and saying all this shit. And it's just like, this is the problem. It's just like, you glorify these kids. And then the second that they don't immediately turn in an MVP performance and lead a shit franchise in the Jets where he had nobody to catch the ball his first year or block for him, all of a sudden it's like they're busting of the worst player to ever touch the face of the earth. And it's just like, all right, well, at some point, start looking at the teams because now this is the third quarterback the Jets have done this doing the last six years. No, you know, that, that's and I'm not saying that Zach Wilson is that the greatest, but I'm just saying if he was maybe put in a proper situation, maybe he could succeed. And everyone's shitting on him. I just feel bad for the kid. I really do. And it it, it sucks. And it's it's not just him. There's there's hundreds of Zach Wilsons in, in this world, and and every they just spit them up and chew them out and don't give a shit about their personal lives or their feelings or anything like that. And it just sucks. It just sucks for these kids. And someone could sit there and counter-argue, well, look at the paycheck they're getting. Well, you know what? They fucking earned that by grinding all their life and working harder than I did or anybody else did to get to that point. They earned that. They earned that by doing what they did, by making the sacrifices that they made to get to where they were getting. And you, these people, just everyone just wants to kill them and just give up on them and make fun of them. And it's just like, you know, and it's all out of jealousy in the most part, especially from the fan perspective. And it's just like, go walk a mile in that kid's shoes. You tell me if you could read a fucking NFL playbook, you know? 
That's what I'm saying to these guys. And and then then go make your fucking needs. And it's just I just I just feel for the kid. And I hope that maybe Rogers, if he does anything right to, you know, kind of change his image and and after all he's done, that maybe he goes in there and kind of puts an arm around Zach Wilson and says, Listen, kid, I've been there. I know what's going on. Like this is what you need to do. And like he he lets him follow him around because Rogers can't think he's gonna play in like seven years. No. You know what I mean? Uh, and like yeah. if anything, it's just to help the kid so the next organization he goes to, it pans out for him. Yeah, exactly. It's like I don't want you to go. Th- I mean, you said this with how Rogers entered the league with Brett Favre. I don't want you to feel that way. So I'm gonna do the exact opposite. So it makes total sense. Um yeah, so I think that does for for all of us here at the Black Blue Pod. Be sure, like, comment. Real quick, is there any uh, there like what for the out of, out of all the other first round picks, is there one that you think was a reach and another team that you think actually got hmm. a steal? I that's a good question. So, I mean, the hmm, I think the reach, the biggest reach that I could find, at least in the first round, was. Um, I think we're going to agree with this is uh, Anthony Richardson to the Colts at number four. Like to I can see that and the, the cornerback to the commanders. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Emmanuel Forbes. Yeah. That's, that's a reach, but I think Richardson, he has the raw talent. I just, everyone wants to use like the Josh Allen or the Lamar Jackson arc of like, once he gets it to the right building and the right system and gets in real NFL coaches, then he'll, then he'll take off. And it's like, yeah, that's great, but like, how how long is that going to be? The Colts don't have that much time. Like no. Chris Ballard's running out. You of can't time. play him. You can't play him this year. You know, no, I, I don't mean? think so either. I don't think so either. And but that's what I was saying. I texted you this, and RG three was literally like, they were saying like, are you surprised by Will Levis? And he made the comment. He's like, if you were telling me, but this was off of Will Levis's 2021 tape, I would have been like, that's a first round pick. But watching his tape this year, he's a second or third round guy, and it's like. And what fucking tape of Anthony Richardson were you watching RG3? Because he ain't a top four, top five pick. Like, if you're comparing, like, at least Will Levis won nine games. Yeah. Something like that. And back-to-back years, what's the most games Anthony Richardson ever won? He What did he do? Oh, he beat Utah in the swamp in week one, which is when anybody could be upset because it's the first game of the season and no one's in, the in like, the thick of it. And he beat Utah by one point. And really, his defense did it. I mean, he looked good that game. And then everyone went on this Anthony Richardson BJ tour. And then what did he do the next week? Oh, that's right. He lost head-to-head to Will Levis. And Will Levis outplayed him. I just – and it's not just – like, I'm sure Anthony Richardson, I, I watched that interview. He seems like a great kid. Like, works with the community. He's a volunteer firefighter. Seems very well educated. I hope nothing for the best for him. But this is exactly what the same with the Zach Wilson thing. All this pressure is going to be thrown on his shoulder simply because he can gun the ball 90 yards downfield, exaggeration, but like literally throwing off of one foot, falling backwards. Like, and he There's can a video of him sitting down, and he, tr- right. he just flicks it 70 yards. Like 60 <laughs> yards, 70 yards, right. And everyone's just going to think, all right, cool, he's going to come in. And it's just like, this is the Michael Vick thing. Michael Vick needed at least one year to sit with a, with a clipboard. And he did, but he also needed someone to sit him down and be like, you need to learn that clipboard too, Michael. 
And he never got that till he got to Andy Reid. And I've said this for years. I think if you said it on the podcast before, if Michael Vick got Andy Reid as his coach when he first got out of college, Michael Vick would be going would have gone down as one of the greatest quarterbacks to ever play the game. He would have rewrote the record books all over the place, but he didn't. We all know the tragic thing, and then he got his redemption arc. And you know it's possible, right? Mm-hmm. And I hope Anthony Richardson gets time. I hope the Colts fans give him time. I hope that organization gives him time. I hope it pans out. And I hope Will Levis goes somewhere that wants him and is going to appreciate him and that he gets the same thing because that kid's got just as much talent as the rest of them. And I'm sorry, but I would take him over C.J. Stroud or Anthony Richardson. I I really would. I will say this until the Ryan Day is out of there. Ohio State quarterbacks are system QBs. There's a reason that none of them have panned out yet, and there's a reason that C.J. Stroud is going to be the next one to fail. Not to mention he's walking into a ticking time bomb of a shit show organization that is Houston. So, like, if anything, that's bad. And it's nothing against C.J. Stroud, but it's just like we've seen this now. He's the fourth Ohio State quarterback to come out in the last seven, seven to ten years, and not a single one of them has panned out. And there is a reason for that. And he's going to be the next one in line. Just saying. No, it's it's – no, I think the biggest the bigger thing for the Texans is that they were able to get back into the top three and also get Will Anderson. Will Anderson, that was a great pick. That was that was that was a great pick. I think the Cardinals did a solid job too, getting a, getting somebody getting a lineman mm-hmm. to help out there, and then. Um, well, honestly, like this 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 draft was just like, I I told my buddy this. I was like, I thought that the NFL just got all the GMs together just got him hammered and said, all right, now go draft. Cause this draft just like, yeah, I don't, I don't understand Bijan to the Falcons at all. They're trying to, I don't, I don't think offense. it's not going to be, I don't think it's not going to be a great pick, but I think it's, they're literally just trying to make the like craziest offense ever, but it's like, you got to play defense too guys. Yeah. And like, I mean, just, it, it was just really strange. Although I do think one steal is Deontay Banks to the New York Giants. I think that's, that's huge. You. Yeah, I mean, that was that, – he fell so far. I think Christian Gonzalez to the Patriots. Mm-hmm. You, you tell me Belichick's not going to turn that kid into an all-pro immediately? Yeah. They now have two lockdown corners. Now that they have Jojuan Williams on the one side, and now they have, they have Christian Gonzalez. It's insane. It's insane. Yeah, it, he somehow does it. The Lions, I'm not – I don't understand that at all. I, I guess they're I. done with DeAndre Swift, but like, there's that's one team that I'm like, why would you not take Levis? You have a quarterback in golf, sit there and learn for a year. And if you want to get rid of golf, you do it. That does it for all of us here at the Black and Blue Pod. Thank you all for tuning in. Be sure to like, comment, subscribe. Let's enjoy this Eagles offseason that's already off to a rock and start. And we'll catch you in the next episode. Philadelphia Bulldogs.